Martin. Martin. Jobber Talk with Martin. Jobber Talk with Martin. Welcome to Volume 1, Chapter... Uh, Jesus Christ, John, is it 7? This is PWR Live at I Academy. This is Martin. And this is John. PWR Live at the I Academy. This is the very first official I Academy event of PWR. Hashtag my aircon na. Yes, my aircon na. Um, originally, it was scheduled like a week before, but due to booking conflicts, aka a John Santos show. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, there are booking problems, which is, I guess, wrestling promotions are not stranger to. <laughs> yeah, you know, they have to give way to... They have to give way to John Lapus. Santos. Yeah, basically, uh, I have to admit it was a very good show. Because <laughs> I was there, I was like saying... No, I can't watch this show. I might be covering a wrestling event. Oh, I thought you were like, oh, I thought there's going to be wrestling. I might as well watch this one. No, it was with my relatives. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I got to watch it for free. <laughs> and I said, oh, so where will you put the ring right here? Anyway, that aside, how did you like the, I want your, I want to hear your first impressions on the iAcademy setting, John. Well, the iAcademy setting uh, is acoustically better because, well, it's a sta- it's a an auditorium. Yes. Uh, the the sound bounces off the wall very well. Uh, the lighting is, I guess, better. They had better lights at this time around, and of course, this is the first time they were using a legitimate wrestling ring instead of a boxing ring. Hindi uh, lang hashtag may aircon na hashtag wrestling ring nato. And uh, yeah, it was the first time you saw the re- uh, a wrestling ring. Sort of looks like the NXT ring, black and yellow. Yes. Uh, and the lighting was improved because it was, it was just the space. It was just easier to light. We would know because we were like sitting directly in front of a lighting. Yes, yes. And But the crowd was smaller, obviously. There wasn't as much room as Makati Cinema Square. Yeah. And because it was in a... A school, the concessions were limited. Yeah, there was no beer. Alcohol was banned, which I think sort of took away some of the flavor of the MCS crowd. Yeah, and uh, we wouldn't see Canto Terror not sober here in iAcademy anytime soon. Yeah. Actually, you'll see him sober. What you won't see him is at the peak of his drunken powers. Yes. He needs his secret powers. Yeah, his ancient Chinese secret has been... PG era. Yeah. Uh, speaking of PG era, even the crowd was a bit more PG here. Yeah, actually, uh, there were fewer drunken people, yes. But there were also fewer blue collar people. Fewer cheering sections. Cheering sections felt a bit muffled because there weren't as many of them. Like, I remember the first time I saw PWR in Makati Cinema Square, there was this large group of manangs who were there for JDL. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and they were not there in I Academy because but the space and I guess the location it it sort of lends itself uh, an upper class an upper middle class air. So the raucous crowd was not there. It was it was uh, not as rowdy, and yeah, the crowd was more PG. There were more kids, there were more women, and 
there were there was just fewer loud guys, you know. There there was this one loud guy, but he stands out because he was just him. Oh yeah, and we'll talk about him in the next chapter. Yeah. Oh god, more about that guy. Yeah. But let's not get into that right now. Yeah. The other best part about the I Academy outside the air conditioning is that it's near the McDonald's and it's near the mini stops. And the subway somewhere. Oh yes. <laughs> RCBC is just a stone throwaway, guys. Uh, it does make me miss my KFC from MCS. Yeah. Or the McDonald's, right? And it's also easier to, at least for us, it's easier to commute out of because it, there are more taxis coming through. Oh, yeah, in iAcademy? Yeah. Yeah, and if you are going through a bus station, just drop off at Ayala. For me, I find it easier to commute to iAcademy than MCS. Because MCS, we always do that, what, alay lakad thing from Glorieta. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of exercise. But. Yeah, it's like it's like our trip to the promised land of Pinoy wrestling. Like I'm gonna miss those walks to MCS. Yeah, we had to like be like pilgrims on a pilgrimage from a mall to MCS. Yeah, yeah, that's a very least kept secret. <laughs> yeah. So let's go to the match. So uh, what was the very first match that we saw? It was. Maverick Knight versus that guy named Lynch. Yeah, it was the uh, debut of the machine. And boy, was he really, really strong and really, really powerful. Yeah, and it, really, it, it, really beating the hell out of this guy. It wasn't really much of a match, it was just a squash. If you thought that the last match of the machine was a squash with Nintendo, this, was, was, this one was more dominant. Yeah, he even squashed both Trabajadores at once, but I think that's in the next chapter. Yeah, <laughs> let's save that for the next chapter. Yeah. Oh, speaking of those guys, their debuts are here. Los Trabajadores or El Trabajadores versus yeah. the Fighters for Hire. The bad Spanish versus... The bad guys. The bad guys. So yeah, they made quick work of the masked people. Yeah, El Jobbers did the job. And we salute them. So that's enough about the pre, pre-show matches, but before that, let's let's talk about what happened before the show. Hey, who did we saw in the crowd? Who did we see in the crowd? No, that guy, the comedian guy with the jacket. Um, rock and roll around the world guy. Oh, that one! I forgot his name. Uh, see, rock and roll to the world. Yeah, I, don't, I forgot his name. Yeah, and also JoJo, the love survivor, and uh, I think Ramon Bautista. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, let's go back to the show. The first match after the pre-show was not really a match. It started out as uh, a sort of talk segment. Between the debuting... And the debut of Frederick Mahaba. Yeah, you would remember this guy as one of the Brannigan Brigade back in, what, Revolution X Part 1? Yep. Or uh, he was also a commentator for Rappler with uh, our friend Nissi at one event of PWR at MCS Square. Mm, yep. We can... Well, if you've been listening to this history rundown, you know we have a link on that one. So we're not going to put the link here. You go check out the other chapters. Yeah, that's your homework. Anyway, how do you like his mic work that time? Uh, my mic work is solid. The guy obviously had experience working a crowd. I think he was a comedian before he became a wrestler. Ah, uh, dual jobs. Yeah. Ooh, did you break kayfabe, Martin? 
Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, I liked the segment and <laughs> it was so funny. He was trying to hit on Scarlet, you know, while the other people were there. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, as a sort of pseudo comedy gimmick, I, that, it was inevitable. I mean, at that point in time, Scarlet was like the only female talent on the roster that was regularly getting in ring. Yes, uh, until tonight, because we will see the debut of the very newer female roster. But did she debut here as a wrestler? Nope. Not as, a, yet. as an announcer, but right? As an announcer. Yeah. We'll get to that soon after this match. Uh, so what happened here? Um, Red Derrick Mahaba would be fighting off main Max. And if he wins... Yeah, he gets to... Date the queen. Date the queen. Yeah, let's keep it PG. <laughs> yes, date the queen. Yeah. That's all there is to it, kids. Dating. Nothing else. But if he loses, he gets nada. Zdik. Zero. Trabajador. I find it so funny where we're trying to cover up in PG terms a guy whose special maneuver is a face to a crotch. I'm just saying. I know. But remember, we're in the PG era right now. Yeah, about that. <laughs> All right. No, just kidding. Anyway, um, sad to say, Rederick Mahaba lost when Main Max delivered a very, 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 oh, so very flexible submission maneuver. I think he called it the maximum mutilation or the cattle mutilation of Daniel Bryan. Yeah, um, I guess it was expected. Uh, you're not going to give away the queen on the first match. You can't go kissing on the first date either. Yeah, uh, so if he were to have it, he'd have to work for it. Although, yeah, uh, I think I already said this during one of the previous podcasts. Having the love machine, the intimate warrior, so on and so forth, King of Schlong style, be in love with just one girl doesn't work for the character, I think. just makes the character look weak. He should be having multiple women. Yeah, it doesn't make him look very confident in his being a love machine so he should always be pursuing or always be being pursued by a lot of other women it's just that there aren't that many on the roster that's true yeah. and yeah we saw the debut of the royal flushes uh dead man's hand basically all three of them delivering a kick or a knee to the head of their opponents it yeah. would go on for the rest of the night wait is this the uh wait now is this the time we're in the Royal Flush tease that was getting a, a new member. Oh my god, wait a minute. Yeah, that was it, right? They're teasing, they were, they're supposed to have a new member, and then John Sebastian pretended to storm off, and it turns out he's the new member. Oh, yeah, this was the same night, and that was before the match. Yeah, he, that was where, when he got promoted from Jack of All Trades to mm -hmm. Ace Hole. Whoa, nice save, John. That's true. <laughs> this was the time. Yep. Uh, oh, wow. Damn. We are so sorry. We almost missed that. Good yeah. job. Yeah, too busy thinking about Scarlet. Yeah. Uh, or is it just me? No, <laughs> actually, it was both of us. <laughs> all right, all right, uh, I didn't even remember about the, the new ace of the Royal Flush. Right. So uh, that set, set the stage for the Royal Flush getting a new jack-of-all-trades, but... But before that, before. remember who were the uh, 
use the suspects of the new Ace card before. They were hinting on Ken Warren, yep, Peter Ken Warren. Souza, hint, uh, Wink. Um, let's not spoil it for the next chapter, but we already did. Vintendo, uh, even Panzer. And Panzer, yes. Oh, the God, the guy the needed some place where he could talk and look charismatic. At that point, like before this event, I was so thinking it would be Panzer. Mm, if but, they would have made him a bad guy, but yeah, he there can't were too many heel. bad guys. Yeah, there were way too many bad guys on the roster already as it stood. It would uh, have been a bad guy. At best, they could have just taken one of the existing bad guys. Uh, who did I think was gonna go? I think it was, I thought I think I guessed Sandata because it just split up and he was on a losing streak and he needed to be somewhere as part of a group. Mine would have been Ken Warren, but. He should be doing his own thing. Yeah, Ken Warren. Uh, Ken Warren would just be dragged down. Yeah, he unless he would have done the the rock thing and made Brian Leo Farouk, but Brian Leo's charismatic. He's not Farouk. Or is he? Damn, damn. So let's go on to the other match. All right, so let's go on to the other match. Let's go to Vintendo, who is making his main show debut. And calling out, of all people, the Apocalypse. What the hell, man? Yeah, although as a matchup between two cartoon characters, it sort of works. You have like a, a boss fight and a plucky hero. The problem is he's not leveled up yet to face this boss. Yes, he still needed to grind. There's not enough grind there. I mean, he could have grinded against the masked people, just saying. Yeah, <laughs> the wild boars of this particular edition of Ragnarok. <laughs> the Zubats of yeah. the roster. Yeah, and not that uh, I'm saying Zubats are bad or they are bad. We're just saying he's not in a certain level yet. Yeah, uh, it was a good fight. Uh, the video game imitations got a lot of pop from the PG crowd because you know, there were a lot of kids. Yeah, uh, but this was one of his better outings uh, yeah. of the year. But it was already sort of foreboding because, as I think we mentioned in the last podcast, comedy gimmicks tend to have a very short shelf life. And there really isn't much to go on. But I guess while it's there, it was kind of funny. Yeah, uh, just the ending wasn't funny because uh, Apocalypse just, you know. Well, yeah. The tar, the tar, the tar. Yeah, that wasn't. there was no other way it was going to end. Injury angle. Basically, he uh, attacked the arm of Nintendo. We had to make Apocalypse look strong. Speaking of arm, guess who he saw in the crowd with a sling on his arm? Oh, mayhem. Yeah, he also had the gripe that we have in Makati City. No well, straws. In that area. <laughs> no straws. No straws, and he had a mask on with no slits. I mean, for a very progressive city. Oh, with the slits, that, yeah, slits. You know, that can cater to those with uh, wheelchairs or other stuff. They couldn't even cater to people who needed straws for their, you know, food or drink. Yeah, actually, this is one of the, the last times we've seen Mayhem. Yeah, this would be the last time we see him wear a mask. And this is the first time. No, this is the second to the last time. Oh, did we see him? The next one, I think we saw him in the next one. He was in the crowd and he cut his hair. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're hoping, as of this recording, this is recorded before Revolution X 2016, that maybe, just maybe, he'd pop up at Revolution X 
you know, because that would be the end of his deadline of not facing Brian Leo. Right, John? Yeah, right. And the PWR just really needs another super over babyface. Yeah. It's just, yeah, there's just not enough of them. This is the first time PWR will not have Mayhem in the active roster. And it was right at the start of the iAcademy era. Are you saying when Mayhem left, they became PG? And this was the same time Kanto Terror was gone for a X amount of shows, right? Right, right. So yeah, two of the hardcore badasses gone for one, you know, a span of what, two, three shows? Yeah, around three shows, I think. Yeah, because we wouldn't see Kanto Terror until the start of 2016. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll get a new mayhem. Fake mayhem. Mayhem Brannigan? <laughs> yeah. Version 2? Yeah, or... Mayhem Finnegan. <laughs> but speaking of version 2s, we have seen, after the Nintendo Apocalypse match, the debut of the network. Yep. Jimmy O is Jimmy O no more. We now see James Idol Martinez, which is one of the most charismatic characters we will ever see right now at the current PWR roster. Yeah, so this debut took us a bit by surprise because we didn't know what to expect. Uh, if the gimmick was fun, uh, as it was advertised on Facebook, and we saw it had potential, but we, I, I, I for one was not expecting this guy to be that good a storyteller in the ring. We saw good glimpses of his ability to be a bad guy as Jimmy O in the MCS days. This was him turned up to a whole nother level. Yeah, he stepped up at the right time. He had a sidekick with him who we won't see for another few, or who won't do anything significant for another few shows. Uh, but this was quite the impact. Why? Because was it because his uh, first match was against who? It was against JDL. So he went over against a legitimate established talent. The very first PWR champion, mind you, mm. was defeated by a debuting James Idol Martinez. And that continues the losing streak of JDL going into 2015, the last, you know, 2015 show, right? Terminus. Yep. This was pre-Terminus and wow, yeah, we thought this would be very, very bad for J JDL. But hey, look at it this way. The only reason why JDL lost was because of Main Max. Yep, there was some interference and uh, Main Max was there to do commentary, although... That was probably the most absurd excuse to go ringside I've ever heard because when was the last time we heard Main Max talk? Well, maybe he was pulling a Yoshi Tatsu before it happened. <laughs> so, uh, Stan C was there. So, uh, Main Max, how did you find the match? Hmm. He's nodding his head. He's nodding his head. <laughs> I guess that means it's good, Stan. <laughs> Wait, am, am I the bearded guy or... Uh... Gosh, what's this guy's name again? We we met him. Yeah, that guy. I don't. I'm not very good with names. Guy with awesome shades. Guy. Yeah. We're sorry. We we only know Stan. Yeah. He stands out because he's Mister C. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait. Speaking of announcers, this is the debut of which person? Crystal. Five minutes, lady. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. I almost said. I almost said Charlotte. 
again. <laughs> Me right. too. We're sorry. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Crystal. Yeah. The debut of Crystal as Five Minutes Girl. Yeah. And everybody in the I Academy Auditorium was chanting Five Minutes. Yeah. She was so over. Yeah. So over that when Poch tried to take over, they booed the hell out of him. Yeah. Poor Poch. Always bullied. <laughs> Even by the crowd. <laughs> he should become a wrestler. He, what? He's going to take Camus' new job now? Was Camus a wrestler? I think that's where his trajectory is right now. Yeah, I mean, come on. Don't tell me you don't see it. Poch is perfect as the Philippine version of the Brooklyn Brawler. What if he's the higher power, John? What if it was him all along, John? Think about it. He is still the ring announcer. He forced Crystal into competitive sport. Just to watch her get beat up by a crotch-shotting Peter Versada, but that's a later show. <laughs> yes. He... Might have injured someone who became a young boy. Oh, a young boy. <laughs> Think about it, John. Who's going to be next? What Is if it? Mr. C gets fired? Who's going to be the next general manager? It was Poch all along. Yes. <laughs> or uh, as, as uh, Yoshi put it, yes. <laughs> oh, God. We're still running with this running gag of Poch being the evil... The, Big bad of PWR. Really? I thought the running gag was the Yoshitatsu imitation. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> We're part of the Yoshi army, guys. We can totally do this. Speaking of... Uh, yeah, let's go to the next match. A number one contendership match. Ralph Imabayashi versus John Sebastian. We were talking about a few minutes ago how the PWR roster lost one of the bigger... Good guys here, which was who? Mayhem? Uh, Mayhem, yeah. Who's the next biggest thing outside Mayhem? You'd say Panzer. Yeah, yeah, Panzer. But outside Panzer, who else? JDL, JDL, Bombay. Bombay, yeah. But there was a budding superstar starting 2015, and it was Ralph Imabayashi. Yeah. I think... Yeah, but the thing about Ralph is he wasn't really on the mic a lot. It was easy to overlook him. I, I thought I thought him not talking was part of the gimmick. Like, he's half Japanese, doesn't speak Filipino, fine. And I think that hurt him a bit because it's a bit hard to cheer for somebody who's that silent and whose moveset doesn't really stand out. I mean, it's not really that exotic moveset that the Japanese wrestlers coming to WWE used to have in the 90s. So it allowed him to remain uh, inscrutable and exotic as per the stereotype. Oh. But uh, Ibabayashi had no such thing going for him. So his being silent for a long time sort of made it hard to sympathize or to build uh, rapport with the audience. I don't know, though. At this stage, he already has that rapport. No, he didn't have rapport. He was over, I think, he a was bit. Over uh, because a bit, of the... Mainly because uh, a good guy. The RKO out of nowhere thing. Yeah, the RKO out of nowhere thing. And his uh, match between him and Versosa a few shows ago. Oh, right, right, that one, yeah, that, that was his coming out party. Yeah, yeah but but prior to that, had a hard time noticing he was even there. Well, uh, he did kick the white out of John Sebastian. I mean, does John Sebastian getting the white kicked out of him happens quite often. No, it was just in Revolution X. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of John Sebastian Imabayashi, this was another matchup between those two guys. And it goes to show, like, one of the my favorite matchups with Imabayashi is A with Sebastian and B with Versosa. Yeah, but this one, this one was good. 
Yeah. It gave us a justification as to why he's going to be the next guy who will face Brian Leo for his title defense at Terminus. Yeah, and uh, I think it was much needed uh, just to bolster his credential as a truly credible uh, badass wrestler. So after that Sonic Rusher out of nowhere, he becomes number one contender. Yep. However, guess who shows up and kicks him in the head? All three of them on his head. Yep, it's Royal Flush. With a dead man's hand. Just because you're number one contender doesn't mean they're not going to beat you up after this match. Actually, wouldn't that mean that you're, they're going to beat you up after this match if you became number one contender? Yes. <laughs> Speaking of number one contenders, we have Papa P taking on the PHX champion, Ken Warren. Was this, was this the time where Ken Warren debuted his bodyguard? Oh, no. Uh, he debuted that. The show before when he watched, uh, when he won the PHX. Oh, right, right. When, you know, after they took out Panzer and Mayhem. Mm. So this was a twofold match. Um, Panzer wants revenge by kicking Warren's ass. Mm-hmm. And maybe after the match, he'll beat the hell out of Fighters for Hire, who was on ringside. Mm. Sad to say, since the Fighters for Hire were there, too yeah. much distractions. Yeah, it's a numbers game. And come on, man. Ken Warren's not going to lose his first title defense. And one Wi-Fi later, the Panzer-Warren saga is now a 2-2 split. I always like this matchup, John. Yeah, I mean, they're both technically gifted. Both good workers. Both know how to tell a story in the ring. Even if, you know, uh, there's a paucity of mic time for Panzer. But once those two are in the ring, they get the storytelling right, I think. They get the the, the ebb and flow of a match right, I think. That's true. Uh, uh, speaking of a budding rivalry, we now go to the Walang Forever match between Sandata and Peter Versosa, coming uh, straight from their breakup. Yeah, so Peter Versosa had the upper hand during the breakup. And I guess here you finally see that they were contrasting styles. Because I remember when they were still together as a tag team, it was a bit, they were both a bit, bit, uh, there was no identity there. They sort of did a little bit of everything. But here now, you could see different personalities inherent in their movesets. You have uh, hard striking Sandata and you have a power playing Peter Versosa. That's true. Uh, We got to see what they can do as singles wrestlers. And uh, hopefully... Well, we, we're we are seeing it, I suppose, with Versosa now, but hopefully we have seen the same thing for Sandata. Yes, at this point, Sandata was still on the well, the losing streak, and Versosa finally got on the winning bracket. Basically, it, it was the match saying, "Okay, who can get the first win?" While the other still loses. Yeah, so for Sandata, yeah, it was a continuation of that long losing streak. Yep. Yep. But uh, it was an okay match. Uh, there were some uh, miscommunications here yeah, and there. Yeah, it was a bit botchy, I guess. It's, um, yeah, I guess they were on their off night. But remember, as we said earlier, this was the first time they were performing in their new ring. Yes, and I think this is also the first time they were trying to sharply ident- uh, create identities for themselves. So they were trying new things trying to look different from the other, trying to establish who they were. So I guess mistakes were bound to be made. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you're trying to you know, establish your brand as a worker here, right? Right, yeah. Or character, character. 
Yeah, so still trying to build a character. So the the odd botchy matchup can be forgiven, I think. Yeah, and they like made up for it in the next few chapters, so well, especially in the next one. But now let's go to our main event for the night. It was Classical Brian Leo versus whoever wants to fight Classical Brian Leo. And who stepped up to the plate? Mark DiManalo, of all people. You know why? Because no one has the balls to do it than MDM. Well, actually, I was looking for Bombay. Yeah, actually, I was thinking a more established uh, face. But this was, I think, the night after Mark DiManalo blindsided Royal Flush in the middle of a match while he was wearing a mask. All right, this was their. Yeah, this this was, was him trying to uh, trying to make a name for himself after he, you know, cost inadvertently cost JDL the match because he was attacking Apocalypse, right? Right, right. Uh, so yeah, uh, this was uh, the consequence of him trying to Carl Anderson slash Luke Gallows impact his way onto the roster, onto the title picture. Well, he got what he wanted, I guess. A yep. PWR Championship shot. And Brian Lee was so happy to oblige. Yep. It, it was actually a back-and-forth match until we saw Brian Leo do this very, very interesting submission hold. It's sort of like a submission, right? It's sort of Boston Krabby thing. Thing with the arm, thing with the... Well, let's have the folks of Smart Henry give you the details in the write-up down below. We're not into the technical aspect here. All I can say is Mark Dimonalo fight... Fought the good fight. Yeah, but he wasn't going over tonight. Yeah. Uh, sad to say, he had to tap out to the royal prison lock of Brian Leo, and Leo still the champion. And, and uh, afterwards, we get your obligatory beating of the schlub who dared challenge Brian Leo. <laughs> yes, he had a taste of the dead man's hand yet again, just like what happened to Rhetoric. What happened to... Rhetoric? I mean, Ralph, right? No, Rhetoric Mahaba. And, oh, yeah, right. Also, right. And then Ralph Imobayashi. And that was it. Wait, there's, there's more. more. Well, let's not have it outnumbered because Ralph comes in, takes out the Royal Floss with Sonic Rushers out of nowhere. And we end PWR live with yeah. Ralph Imobayashi sitting down there holding the championship. Is yeah, that a preview of what's going to happen to Terminus? Yes, sort of. Yes, actually, it was. It was. It was. It was. It's. Uh, how did you like the build-up? As sudden as it was, was it very, very legit for me? It, it worked for me. Yeah, to be I, th- I think it worked because they were able to to quickly establish an edge, like to give Ralph Imabayashi an edge in personal in his personality, especially after that last run-in where he saved uh, Mark Dimanalo from getting beat up further. That showed that there was some teeth in Ralph Imabayashi and that he would not be a silent pushover. So in th- at that moment, you already established him as a credible contender. And by that point, you were all set. It was just a matter of letting the story unfold to its natural conclusion. I agree as well. Like After having a strong showing against Versoza and his series of matches with Sebastian, I guess this was a good nod for Ralph Imabayashi to go to the PWR title picture. And that's the end of our chapter here. The very first PWR event in iAcademy. It was a very good debut for the new crowd, for the new setting. And this is the opening of the iAcademy era of PWR. This is Martin. And And this is John. Signing out.